It's Signals and Noise Time, a chance to discuss news on and about the media, ranging from paper books to TikTok. And TikTok is one of the topics this month. We welcome back our regulars. Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein is an assistant professor of journalism and mass communication at Cal Poly Humboldt. Hi, Jesse. Hi there. Chris Lucas is an assistant professor in communication, media, and cinema at Southern Oregon University. Welcome back, Chris. Good morning. Okay, so let's start with Fox News and the public eye. I couldn't avoid this one. Uh, the discovery from the lawsuit filed by Dominion Voting System reveals internal discussions at Fox News about the untruthfulness of claims by Donald Trump and others about the 2020 election being stolen. In those discussions, it's clear that the hosts and producers of opinion shows knew the claims were bogus but gave them airtime anyway. Let's talk about responsibilities and revelations and the effects, if any, upon Fox News. Jesse? Yeah, so definitely some responsibility needs to be on Fox News for this. Um, and it's kind of interesting looking at the lawsuit um, that's, you know, that's happening right now with, with all of this because it seems really obvious, like from, from my standpoint and my, my knowledge base, it seems so obvious, right, that there is an issue here. They were knowingly spreading basically fake news, but, you know, misinformation, disinformation. Um, and the knowing factor is really key here. And I think that's something that's it's getting a little bit overlooked. Um, if they didn't know if it was an accident, you know, we have precedent set that says, you know, if it was not purposeful and there was no malice involved, then it's kind of okay. You don't really get in trouble with that, um, you know, according to the Supreme Court with our Times versus Sullivan case back in 1964. Um, but there was intent here, as far as we can see, with all of the, you know, the tweets and the internal communication that we're seeing coming out of um, Fox News and the, you know, the, the reporters and producers on that end that people knew, people knew it wasn't right. They did it on purpose. They did it anyway. And so it's kind of a no-brainer from that standpoint. However, having said that... <laughs> I am often shocked by what goes down in our judicial system these days. So, mm -hmm. who knows? <laughs> All right, Chris Lucas, your your, uh, your initial take on what's been going on with Fox News. There's lots of it. Uh, oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly a, it can be kind of confusing. I think those of us who pay attention to these stories probably feel a little bit like we're in bizarro world because, you know, the 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 law that was settled in sort of Times versus Sullivan was – you know, it was meant to protect the press from public officials, right? It would, you know, um, if they were, the public officials were trying to punish, you know, those those journalists for critical statements or for spreading troubling information, that may or may not, may or may not be completely, be complete or even um, true, right, as new information is coming to light. The justices are like, well, we need to create some space for uncertainty. Um well, here we have a case where the supposed news outlet is making false statements that help a public official, right, that extend a false storyline that serve the interest of a politician, um, a political party. So they're being sued by another private company, right, uh, that's finding itself harmed by what they said. And I'm, what I'm really curious about, and I completely agree with Jesse, like I would not even want to speculate how this is going to go given the status of the judiciary, Um you know, I, I wonder if that might be the wedge here that, that makes some space for for Fox to bear some consequence for this. Which gets us in a really interesting zone, because if, in fact, this works its way up to the Supreme Court and they decide that New York Times versus Sullivan is no longer the standard, then the standard could be shifted in a way that, that American conservatives seem to favor to make it easier to find for uh, libel or defamation. And yet this would go against the conservative news organization. Chris? <laughs> uh, 
as I said, bizarro uh, world. I, I, I personally, uh, there are some, a couple of justices, Gorsuch, Gorsuch and um, Thomas, I think, who've expressed some interest Thomas, in revisiting, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and revisiting um, Times versus Sullivan. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of doubtful that'll happen. I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't be surprised or even necessarily all that troubled if there was, you know, um, some, some revision to this law that would require news outlets to uh, sort of contextualize statements that they know to be false. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, can be very tricky in itself. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we've, we're in an era where misinformation, disinformation is becoming so rampant. I do think we're going to have to rethink some of these standards. Jesse, do you think they provided uh, themselves a cloverleaf at Fox by saying all we were doing was was putting the the arguments out there? I mean, the president of the United States is raising the issue, so we have to report on that. I mean, this is Fox News is pretty good. Its lawyers are too, I think, at, at doing things like making sure that that really inflammatory headlines end with question marks. Yes, and so much of that is in the framing, right? Just mm-hmm. as you said, with the well, we we're not saying this is true. We're just giving it a lot of airtime and putting it out there into the universe. <laughs> So yeah, they they definitely do kind of you know cover their butts in 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 that way. Um, and what we know though, and you know what what the research has shown over and over again is that with misinformation and disinformation, even if it's later proved to be false and fake, once it's out there and once that you know once people are um, basically creating those neural pathways in their own minds about it, it's really hard to undo that and untie that. So it's still going to you know have that effect on society and on individuals, whether foxes covering their butts or not. I you know one of the things that really struck me in all of this though is is the concerns given by the likes of Tucker Carlson and others in texts and emails about you know we could be losing our audience over this. But but what they're concerned about is they're going to lose their audience by telling them the truth. I can't remember ever seeing a news organization express that concern, at least that it got conveyed to the public that way. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's it's kind of frightening, right? And we saw this actually um, in the last election when Fox called, uh, called Arizona for Biden, and then suddenly a bunch of their viewers are no longer are no longer there, right? They disappeared because they didn't like the factual information that they were getting. They wanted to just hear what they wanted. And so, yeah, it definitely, you know, financially <laughs> is going to have an effect on, on Fox when that's sort of one, of one of their main bases. Not to say that's everyone who pays attention to Fox News, but that there certainly was sort of, you know, a, a large portion of their audience that went, wait, no, 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 we don't like the truth. We don't like the facts. Give us what we want. Otherwise, we're not going to tune in. Chris, is that is that basically saying you know we we realize that our audience doesn't want the the whole truth and nothing but the truth? <laughs> uh, this is, I think, uh, this is a, a problem that we've really seen emerge. And I, um, without putting what I hope is not too blunt of a point on it, I see it as this erosion of the boundary between what we traditionally saw as this firewall between kind of the publisher and the newsroom, right? The you know the the publisher wants to tell the audience what it wants to hear because that that brings in the eyeballs and appeases the advertisers and so forth. Uh, the role of journalism as a profession, as a as a set of standards and and rules and processes, uh, we're meant to kind of hold a line between you know that that value and this in this sort of value around accuracy and so forth. And I think you know to my eye, you know Fox is this story is what happens when you see. Um, 
money starting to run the journalism, you know, um, and Rupert and uh, his son, Lachlan, who, who clearly are, are taking a lot of interest in what is on on that channel moment to moment, uh, which does not seem healthy to me. All right, let's uh, take on uh, another concept here on uh, on Signals and Noise with uh, Chris Lucas and Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein, and that is what's going on with TikTok. A federal government and other governments are requiring the app to be removed from agency phones for fear that the app will transmit sensitive information to the Chinese government. Uh, there's some pressure for TikTok to be sold to a non-Chinese company. Chris, thoughts on this? <laughs> well, we're just taking the small, small issues today. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I really thought... Um, you know, we had that you know that that congressional hearing a few days ago, which was sort of embarrassing in some ways to reveal the poor understanding of these technologies by our elected officials. I hope their briefings are getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I actually I I would I think being careful about where that app is makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but it's not necessarily because it's TikTok and and connected to China in that way. You know. You know, we're almost 20 years into the social media era. We're eight or 10 years into the era of algorithmic sorting of everything we're seeing on these platforms. And TikTok is using a lot of the same practices that that Meta is using, that Google is using. Um, And uh, so that that kind of the hoovering up of all of our data is not the new new piece. But I do think we should be really thoughtful about that. Um, The difference, of course, is that TikTok's parent company um, is clearly required to be somewhat deferential at some level to the ruling party in China. And we don't really know how deferential they are. And that blind spot is creating all kinds of speculation. And I think, you know, that's something that's getting out of hand. Uh, but they are definitely valid questions. So, Jesse, without the Chinese presence, are we not having this conversation, basically? You know, to some degree, however, as as Chris kind of touched upon, um, we we were already having these conversations with U.S.-owned companies, mm-hmm. you know, with Facebook. We had the congressional hearings, and, um, you know, so the conversation is still there, but, of course, yes, that that's um, that's the bizarre world part of it is all of the speculation uh, on what could happen, though I totally agree with what Chris is saying. Like, yes, there, there's, there's some questions there, and um, I personally don't see any reason why, you know, the, um, the Biden administration putting that... Um, putting the the ban on it for devices that are, you know, government devices. Sure, that makes sense, you know, from a national security standpoint. Um, but going beyond that, I mean, talking about banning it entirely, it's just, it is, it's such a meta narrative to me that <laughs> looking at this, that we're sitting there going, well, we don't like what China does, but maybe we should turn around and do exactly what China does. And we should censor free speech and we should put a firewall on things so that people can't access it. And, you know, it's just kind of, it's, it's ludicrous. It's that bizarre world that Chris mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think we need to like have this, yeah, kind of, kind of back out and have this bigger picture. And we really see, you know, not to get to 30,000 foot, but I think there's a great power competition that's happening here. That's been focusing for years around information and the fact is, you know, we're all leaving digital breadcrumbs all over the Internet. Um, we're like, you know, Pigpen from the Peanuts comics. <laughs> right. like clouds of <laughs> data we're, we're leaving behind. Um, our movements, our transactions, our engagement, our communication. Um, and a lot of people are getting access to that. And what I really see is 
um, you know, started really with the Trump administration, actually, and Biden are beginning to use technology policy and industrial policy as a kind of foreign policy intervention. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just around TikTok. So I think TikTok is just a symptom of this. But it's just this whole thing about the computer chip um, supply chain. Uh, it passed without a lot of comment, but last year, part of the military authorization bill, the um, you know the the uh, they they're trying to intervene somewhat in how Hollywood is editing films to be um, given access to the Chinese market. Um, All right. I think there's a little bit of you know a little bit of hand waving going on there, but it's still an interesting moment to see them recognize that Hollywood is definitely trying to serve that market and get back in after years of sort of declining access. Oh yeah, it's a good point to, to add to that. But a lot of things that we do the, uh, that we do differently with the Chinese for sure with uh, media and technology. We got about a minute and a half left. Uh, let's do a pick three, uh, 45 seconds each. Jesse Kretzer Hartenstein, start us off. Yeah, so in the um, in the uh, in the realm of kind of looking at misinformation and disinformation as we are today, um, I was just turned on to a few games that were developed to actually kind of combat that and to sort of mildly inoculate people to make them more media literate. And one of them is called Bad News. Another one is called Go Viral, and that's looking at like misinformation about COVID nineteen. There's one called. Breaking Harmony Square, another one called Cat Park. So that's my little game section on that. If you want to work on your own media literacy, that's a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another one in the same vein are just fact-checking websites. This is like, I, I, I pick this this month. We need this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so there's lots of different ones, NPR, Fact Check, or Snopes, or factcheck.org, those kinds of things. And then as a fun one, um, uh, there's a podcast called Ear Hustle, um, and that's basically bringing stories to the rest of us from life inside prison, um, shared by prisoners who are living it, and then those who have um, been released post-incarceration. Okay. And this one, my, my father actually just turned me on to it, and he's not a crier, and he said every episode he hears, he ends up getting all cheered up. So wow. um, okay. check, that, check that one out. Chris, 30 seconds for your pick three. Um, same vein as Jesse, I'll encourage people to check out the Electronic Frontier Foundation website. They have a lot of tools on protecting yourself on social networks. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just encourage people to go check out the Varsity Theater um, website. There's an upcoming week-long series of documentaries um, programmed uh, by the Osher Lifeline Learning Institute. Uh, great films. Check them out. All right. Thanks so much for another great uh, Signals and Noise. Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein from Cal Poly Humboldt. Chris Lucas from Southern Oregon University. Talk to you next month. Thanks a lot.